Welcome to the Cinema Swamp. Okay. Let's party. In episode 72, we discuss Christopher Nolan's newest feature, Tenet. We discuss how it was released into theaters, how we were able to see it, and we try to make our way through this episode without being too confused. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we also hope that you checked out the last two episodes where we discussed the entire Christopher Nolan filmography. Uh, today, uh, since we're back, because of the last, last two episodes that we split in half, uh, we talked about Christopher Nolan films, and uh, this time we decided to talk about the newest Christopher Nolan film, Tenet, which I don't know if at the time we were planning on seeing or if we knew we'd be able to see it, but they actually released it. Movie theaters opened. Everything with the movie theaters immediately went downhill because Tenet did not make enough money and then the theaters spent too much to reopen. So now uh, Christopher Nolan, in an effort to save the theater business, may have actually completely destroyed it. Let's uh, talk about Tenet. (laughs) Was he actually trying to save the theater business, though, or was he just trying to get his film out there so he could stay true to himself or something like that? I'll be honest. I think just because a lot of people... A lot of directors were absolutely fine with going the VOD route and having everything released or through Netflix or through some streaming service. It seemed like a lot of directors were absolutely fine with our with pushing the date. Christopher Nolan, for some reason, was not okay with the movie being released later or direct-to-video. I can kind of get the direct-to-video part, but I don't get why he didn't want it delayed. I don't know if it was in the contract or if it was a thing with warner brothers it seemed like it was really just christopher nolan though because i think he is very worried about the theater industry and he has made it he he has said that before uh a number of directors have but he seems the most like firm on the fact that the theater business is dying it needs to be saved people should be seeing movies in theaters so he's trying to create a reason to see them in theaters, especially with the IMAX format. Now he pretty much films all his movies in only the IMAX format. So I think a lot of it had to do with him. It maybe some of it's just ego, but I think he really does care about the theater industry. However, and I guess I didn't predict that this would happen, but yeah, basically his movie came out and then the theaters and the studios kind of realized, Oh, people don't really want to run back to the theaters quite yet. So then all the other movies got pushed back again. So now, even if you look on the Duluth Cinema schedule right now, there's no new movies coming out for the next couple of weeks because every everything got rescheduled again. And now Tenet's the only thing out. Everyone who wants to see it's already seen it, and now all these theaters are open with nobody coming, and they're like, we spent all this money to reopen, and now all these movies are gone. And I was like, that's when I was like, oh, so now he's going to kill the theater industry because he wanted to release his movie that badly to save the theater industry. I don't know if it killed it. I think I think people understand the situation and that it was just too early. I don't think I don't think it really killed it. It ruined it ruined his movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I I like his chances of making money. I would love to kind of live in the world to see how Tenet would have done had coronavirus not happened because um, this one's different from his other stuff for sure. I don't think it was as easy to grasp as his other stuff. And even if it was complicated, I don't think there was nearly as much 
emotion to ride on for the audience. You know, like Interstellar is really confusing, but at least there's really compelling characters. Tenet, I I mean, we'll talk about it, but I kind of wish I would know what the true audience reaction would be to it, because right now I kind of have nothing, since the only people who really saw it were anybody brave enough to go into the theaters. I mean, when I saw it, I, I saw it in the theater with, like, I'm pretty sure there was only two other people in the theater. I, I, I purposely made that so. Like, I checked online to make sure it was a pretty empty house, but... Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll kill the theater industry, but it certainly doesn't help. It, it it didn't help, and it really had more negative consequences than positive ones. I, I guess, like, I... We did the same thing. Like, the night that we went, we kept checking in all day to see, and there was, like, maybe, like, seven people there, but, like, it was, like, four middle schoolers in the very back row, and then a family of, like, two or three in the very front row, and then me and Sydney were, like, in the very dead center. And so we were checking to see if there's going to be, like, anyone even close to us. But I was still surprised because we went, like, either opening night or, like, close to opening night, and there still, like, was... Like, just not that many people at all. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't, like, know what to expect, like, for... I, I heard, like, Universal had a lot to do with, like, the movie theaters and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like Universal, like, being like, well, we're just not going to, like, show our movies anymore. And then the movie theaters are like, well, we're not going to play your movies anymore. And then they're like, what, what? And then, like, had to go through all this stuff. And I don't know. Yeah, that that was a situation where Universal had made money by just releasing their movie straight to video on demand. So then they made the announcement yeah. that from now on, when movies get released in theaters, they were only going to wait, I think, two weeks before they release it on video on demand. So then that's another option after two weeks, but it would still be in the theater as well. And then eventually later on, they would go to, oh, you can buy the movie digitally, and then they would do the Blu-ray release, which, you know, that's another industry I'm sure will be leaving pretty soon. Except, that is the one thing that was the positive about coronavirus. Blu-ray sales actually went up during coronavirus, so boom! Mm. It's coming back, boys! Mm. (laughs) Um, And, uh, no, it's... I, uh, that plan didn't really work because AMC then said, well, Universal, we just won't show any of your movies, and then Universal kind of made a separate deal where they're like, okay, we, we won't do it exactly like that, but it's still going to be about like a month. They definitely shortened the window for where they're going to do a video on demand release compared to when it is released in theaters. Um, but I, I think all that's going to really happen in the end is I think there's just going to be less movies in theaters. There's going to be less theaters, but they're not going to go away. The art house ones will always exist. And the bigger chains, I feel like, in a way will downsize depending on the area, depending on how close other theaters are. And I think they'll only really be showing bigger releases that the studios really put a lot of money behind and, you know, put a lot of good writers behind to make sure it's a quality product, at least not like, Hey, let's, let's release like 10 IPs each year and just, and just let's see if any of them work. Now it's probably going to get more down to let's release about five movies a year and movies that we can really trust, like Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, stuff like that. Um, what did you guys think of Tenet? I liked it. 
<laughs> you actually like this one? I thought the other the other Christopher Nolan movies. It didn't seem like all of them you were too into. I mean, yeah. So this one felt a lot like Inception, which is I think why I liked it because I really did like Inception. Um, and you were saying you thought it was more confusing or more difficult to understand. I think this. Tenet is more confusing to me than Inception. It's not as confusing as Interstellar. I think Interstellar still tops it. Okay, yeah. so Interstellar definitely is more confusing. I thought this one was easier. Like, I... Zach was sitting next to me, obviously. Um, and, like... Shut up. And, like, I was getting stuff before he was getting stuff, which never happens in movies. So, I felt weird when everyone was like, it's so hard to understand and I was like am I just missing something because I got it no you're just a genius okay I'm not trying to sound like a douche but <laughs> but you're right there was there is a lot of people who are right away saying like oh my gosh Christopher Nolan just made this big mess that makes absolutely no sense and that is kind of their review and I'm like that's a little unfair because I just bear with me reviewer there's a chance you maybe just didn't get it because it is it is a complicated idea, I think. I mean, just because... And I feel like from our previous podcast, it seems like we're a little more well-versed in like, time travel movies especially. So, you know, we, we, we've seen that kind of stuff. And so it, that might be part of it. Like, I never got confused, especially once you get towards the finale and you start seeing everything tie together. You're like, oh, I totally see this whole, you know... Uh, the book breaking from the middle and spreading apart and reflections and the mirror and the whole, I it really made a lot of sense. My only thing with inception was that I thought inception made more sense. And it seems like with inception, you could create more stories out of it. I don't know how you can make more stories out of tenant. It seems like it'd be very difficult to use this idea and like expand it because it's 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 very I, I think it's well put together but it's also like holy i can understand why he kind of was on this idea for 20 years because this is a this is a doozy yeah i uh i agree with you like on the characters where like you can't really like it, it there's not a lot of heart to like our protagonist like he doesn't even have a name he's just called the protagonist right <laughs> so like you can't really connect with them but it it's a really fun action movie, and it's a cool concept, which I really like. So I, I enjoyed the movie. It's definitely one that I need to see again. Yeah, I definitely, like, coming out of the theater, I was kind of like, well, I feel like I know, like, three quarters of that movie really well. And the other quarter, I got to watch this several times, just like Inception. Like, first three times I watched Inception... I still didn't get all of it, and when I watch it now, I still am like, oh, never caught that before, and now that makes more sense and stuff. And a lot of his movies, even the Batman movies sometimes are like that, where I, I just don't catch things, because I'm thinking about like Batman as Batman, and then I forget like some of the deeper stuff that he's putting in his movies, and um, definitely Tenet is going to be that, where i got to watch it a lot more. But I still walked out being like, hell yeah, it was an awesome movie. Like, I don't know why it was good, but it was super good. Um, I think one part of the, of, like, the confusing stuff isn't so much of, like, the mechanics or, like, the, the science fiction lore of it is, like, 
I just couldn't understand some of the dialogue. Like, just the way they were talking and being mic'd and the way that yeah. Christopher Nolan is, like, okay with people being muffled in his movies and either super British or they have a mask on. Like, it's just... I think there's a lot of stuff there I would have caught if I heard it clearly. But, like, I don't, our theater, like, for some reason, the first half of the movie was insanely loud. Like, Sydney and I both were, like... Like, Sydney put in my headphones to watch the movie just because it was too loud for her. Like, especially in the beginning in the opera scene, like, it was just so... I've never seen a movie that loud before. Mm-hmm. And so that was just the theater, I think, that did it, you know? Um, but it made a lot of the dialogue just, like... Like, I understand what they're trying to get at, but I'm missing every third word, you know? Or, like... I can't tell when they're talk when they're like doing exposition and when they're doing like jokes. You know, it's like hard to tell what's what. So I've I've noticed with like a lot of his scenes in multiple movies that like the sound mixing, like the music is way louder than the dialogue. Like dialogue is second to the music. Yeah. And it, it just gets lost. And a lot of people have been complaining about that, so I actually don't think it was only the theater. I do think it was happening pretty much with everybody's experience that the sound mixing wasn't the strong point this time around. And yeah, I feel the same way where a lot of the dialogue was like, what, what are they saying? And luckily there's enough of the visuals that can kind of help you to keep up with the plot, especially when you're getting to the end yeah. where they're chasing each other on the car. And there's that one that's like going backwards and it's doing all those weird, uh, maneuvers you can kind of already figure out obviously whatever that person's doing with that vehicle has this you know this way of making things go backwards which was another part of the like you said with the dialogue you never really hear the terms that clearly as to what they are because they're like talking about at first oh it can only apply to uh, objects and metal and stuff like that and these bullets they can go backwards because they are coming from the future and they've made their way back here and I was like oh that's a really neat idea um, so I guess you can do that with objects but then eventually later you see this machine that can do it and I'm like did they at some point even describe like what this process was what exactly these objects were called what this what this idea even is called and then you know does it matter well to me no because you can at least figure it out and you don't need all the extra stuff, but it is, it makes it more difficult to talk about later. Like even right now I'm like, Oh, they're, they're doing this and they go backwards and you, it, I, I don't really have the terms down. It's not like, I, yeah, I, I they, feel they like, did. With, I remember they did have terms for it. I don't remember what it was. Though. And it's totally because all their voices were inversion. Muffled. Yeah. Inversion. Inversion. I mean, that's like yeah. just the, the whole process itself, but I'm talking more about just, the actual MacGuffin they were chasing throughout it, which is that device that yeah. can bring it about the end of the world. Like, did they ever really even have a term for that? I know they did, but like I said, it's not memorable, and it's also yeah. with all the muffled voices. Like, everybody's wearing the Bane mask, even though they're not, but it sounds <laughs> like they are. The The room that they go in that spins, I know they call that a turnstile. And the only reason I know that is because I looked up the plot on Wikipedia after I watched the movie to see if I got it all the way, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, I see. I never heard them say turnstile once in the movie, but then in, in the plot synopsis it said, like, 
they go into a turnstile here and this. So, like, which that kind of, like, leads me to a point, like, part of, like, I, I like the whole espionage thing. I like how it's similar to Inception. Like, um, I, the, the scope of it kind of is weird for me. Like, small-time stuff, like the opera thing, like, heist terrorist thing to like jump bungeeing up the building and then like the airplane thing but then like when it gets to like the whole war scene the war scene was cool as, as hell like I loved it but it was just like what it was like so sudden to like go from small time espionage to like a full out like time war yeah on a big scale you know where I was like trying to figure out wait what's actually happening like I'm trying to enjoy the scenes because they're super cool with the buildings coming together and like reverse exploding and stuff like it was it was hard keeping track of like the scope of it of like going from all these small scale spy stuff to all of a sudden like army like (laughs) you know like the war war. thing yeah like but so I don't know like I I like it but it it did kind of feel I don't know like it, it just felt like a weird ingredient almost, you know, like I, I want to go back and watch it again because maybe it'll feel more fluid, but I know like I, I had a hard time, like even with, so like, like when they're in the, they're, they're in the paintings room, right? Which is at an airport. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's at an airport. I don't remember the, why they just, how they describe it in the movie of why there's like this painting storage thing in an airport and why there's a turnstile there. I don't remember why they already had a time machine at a painting, yeah, like gallery no, in I, an airport. I, agree. That's I don't that know why. Threw me off too. I know what the paintings. Like being... I get the scene, but did it have to do with the the antagonist? Well, I the... believe so. Like he he had access to there through that. Right. I know. I think you're right. I think it is because the antagonist had that there. And and that the whole part with the paintings, I think it's there just for security reasons because I believe this was in was it in Sweden I believe, and yeah, that's kind of the big thing in Sweden is that they have their banks that are kind of protected from other countries no. as far as maybe it's not Sweden I don't I thought it was it Norway because it was Oslo I think. okay so maybe that's yeah. got the same thing as Sweden then we're yeah. like a lot I've of... been to that airport oh have you <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I don't recognize it, really, because it's No, you were the at movie, the but... Tenet film set, man. Good job. <laughs> um, no, like, I think with the paintings, it's just there maybe for security reasons. Like, that didn't throw me off so much, but the part with the turnstile did because I thought the same thing. Why is this here? And even if it's there for the antagonist, and I know they kind of broke into that room, it's still, it's just odd to me that later on, we see another turnstile and that's when we first kind of introduced to what it even really is. And when they're there with the turnstile in this separate room, they kind of make it seem really special. Like it's locked off. Like there's only so many of these. And yet then we kind of remembered earlier, wait, we already saw one of these at an airport. And then, you know, we see it in play at the airport, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. also I, like you guys said, why is it there? <laughs> why is it there? Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, why, like, the whole inverted bullet thing, like, after the girl gets shot invertedly, 
and then they have to like bring her back to the airport to save her. Like I don't get like I I get that she got shot, but I don't understand the time frame of like how she's dying. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. they explain the science of it, but I'm like I just I don't get it. Like I know she's dying, and I get that's moving the movie forward. But whatever the exact science that they did explain, I didn't get a chance to understand it before the movie's like, all right, too late, we're already going on to the next thing, you know? Yeah, that that whole situation moved really fast from when she got shot to when, like, they're rushing through the airport. Like, all of it, it just, I don't know, it was all, all blur. It's hard yeah. to follow. There was something really then, quickly so, that they explained for why, like, she didn't die right away and how they were able to save her and maybe you even remember why like that part of it i know they explained it at least but as to why they had to go to the airport and i know it was one of those quick things like oh we could find this oh i know where we can find one i think it maybe just was the turnstile but again i agree why did they have to go to the airport i i kind of don't remember either that is kind of yeah i don't know but like so the other thing that i'm kind of confused about is like how they're able to like, when they go back in time, which I, I love the concept of, of, like, time travel for this movie, how it's, like, literally going backwards in time and not, like, back to the future style where they're just, like, dropping you off in another point of time. Like, you actually have to go backwards until you reach that point to go forwards. Right. Um, and they kind of do that when they have to go... They, like, take the boat back. Like, they're, like on the, like, on a boat for however long, and they're, like... You know, in, like, the oxygen-sealed room so they can breathe normal air or whatever. Um, but while the whole war is going on, the girl has to go back to the yacht to, like, fake be her old self with the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wasn't that, like, months beforehand? Yeah, but he went back to that point to set off the bomb? Yeah, but to get back to that point, do they just stay inverted for like months to get back to the point of the yacht scene? Yeah, they'd have to go back pretty far. You'd have to keep going back to that point. Yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't just like be like, "All right, we're at the yacht." Like it, they had to have lived that backwards like months long. Yeah, yeah, because that was that was present day or future him because he recognized her with the bullet wound. I don't think he recognized her. I think he well, he just knew that, oh, this isn't the same yeah. girl. This is, she must be from the future because she's got a wound. Yeah, but I think... that was the point that he, because they were talking about, like, what's a point that he feels, like, most uh, content or whatever, like a point at what, in time at which he can kill everyone mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know the time. Or whatever, and they, that's when they went to the boat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm like really. I gotta watch it again. I'm reading the Wikipedia page because I'm I'm trying to sort of remember that part as to how they went back that far and exactly how long back that would have to be. And like you said, I thought it was months. And it says here the protagonist Neil Cat and the tenant forces invert back to that day so Cat can delay his death while tenant secures the algorithm um okay so he he was gonna kill himself during their vacation in vietnam when they were last happy together okay so that part made sense because everything that has happened 
in time as far as going inverted and everything has already happened. So it's kind of following um, Harry Potter 3 or Bill and Ted rules where everything that needs to be done has already been done in like time travel as far as like every single thing. It's a closed loop. Right. So he already in this timeline when she was with him on that yacht already tried to kill himself so that's why she had to go on but it's like harry potter says at the end he's like you know i i've already done it like she already did that the last time she has already done all this stuff before she saw herself dive off the boat right the only difference is is that this guy actually does get killed but it doesn't it i don't think it matters though because that guy already went back in time like that I, like you said is that well, the guy who's already gone through time i don't well see that's the thing uh, is he doesn't know like when she comes back to the or when she's like back of the boat and she's she's wet from the water like she's like oh i swam back so we could be together alone he's like oh cool like he he's not like no this isn't what happened last time you know like yeah wouldn't he know that this isn't what happened well <laughs> we're just like we're, this part does kind of stump me because I but think he that... doesn't know he doesn't know that she knows so I feel like that could justify it because he's like oh she swam back okay but if this is Harry Potter rules he would have he, he would know there. that she doesn't come that, back because him at that point is him from that point right okay his, so his present day him is him in the past no matter what like he wasn't also there on the boat like experienced that in real time then this was him from before so then why didn't he do it before why didn't he kill himself before (laughs) because he wasn't there (laughs) but now that he is wouldn't he know that she doesn't come back that she left with their kid he wasn't there he wasn't there on the boat until his future self went back to the boat He wasn't on the uh, boat. <laughs> okay. The guy who's on the boat, the guy who's on the boat with her, is that the version of him that's already gone back in time? I when, believe so. That's what I think. If I'm but I but I I don't I don't get why, but I think that's why because that's why she's able to kill him because that and she he just doesn't think that that's the one from the future because he thinks it's just her past self, I guess. But, and didn't realize that she never swam back, even though she never actually did. But now he thinks she did because clearly all that stuff did happen. Like Harry Potter rules because he, she saw that woman jump off the boat, which they referenced earlier. So it's like, that is where he dies. And then they get on the boat and then she thinks he left. Well, the thing is he did. Because he left the he left the boat when she came back, right? Isn't that what she said originally when she came back to the yacht? He wasn't there right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, like that version of himself was also not the same. Like, yeah. right? so when he so when he shows up later in that day, that's not the same him that got killed. That's right from that. And both of the people from the past, pa- both past versions of themselves, don't realize that their future version of the self was right. on the boat. And exactly. um, 
Gilderoy Lockhart, he doesn't realize when he goes on the boat, the future version of himself that went back in time who went on the boat doesn't realize that the woman that came on the boat is also the person from the past. Or from the future, I mean. Oh, God. <laughs> Why do you guys bring this up? I like this movie up until now. Now, now I hate it. It's probably... It probably makes sense because, like, usually the stuff does like it doesn't have many <laughs> plot holes. That's a great review. It probably like, makes sense. <laughs> like, I I don't feel like the movie is like making fun of people for not understanding it. Like, I think it is like I think we should do like a second tenant episode <laughs> in like three months after we've watched it a couple more times, and then we'll be like. Oh, yeah, and no, then we'll we talk about the it again. We can do the video in reverse. Yeah. Um, How about you, so? Uh, wait, sorry. What? Go, go, Zach. I'll just gonna throw out a theory, but you can go ahead. I was gonna change the subject, so oh. you can say what you're gonna say. Well, this isn't really on. You just say your thing. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, like, what do you guys think about the actual performances of everyone? Um, I, I like, I really like, uh, this guy, John, uh, John, John David Washington. I I liked him in Black Klansman, so it's cool to see him here. And he's basically James Bond, which I like that. I think helped me with the movie a lot was going into it, knowing that it was going to basically be a lot like a James Bond movie. A lot of people had compared it to that. So going in, knowing that it made me care less about all the, intricacies of the plot details and the names for everything because i i realized oh like a james bond movie they're just chasing the mcguffin and on the course of chasing the mcguffin they're going to run into a lot of random characters like michael Caine's randomly in the movie and that kind of makes me think he had no purpose in the movie but then again if you watch a lot of james bond movies they do that a lot where there's just a lot of people who show up they help with one scene and they're gone plus you get to see michael Caine. um so I liked him a lot. <laughs> I liked uh, I liked Robert Pattinson uh, because yeah, it's it was kind of cool to see him be a little more bubbly than what he usually has done. And I guess I just haven't seen him in too much stuff, but he just seemed a lot more vibrant and bubbly in this movie, and I kind of liked that. And uh, mm-hmm. I did not like Kenneth Branagh. He, if you've seen Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, this is the same performance this is the same character he's another um russian villain and i just thought it was very cheesy I'm, I'm still, r- russian villain i'm so sick of the cheesy russian villain because like they're a dime a dozen and they're all the same like i mean that's the same thing he, he's cre- he's creepy I, I will give it that like i'm actually surprised that gilderoy lockhart's creepy i i keep calling him that because that's the thing i know him best for but like he he does pull off a couple creepy scenes um and he gets creepy fast but that's the thing like he they almost make him a little too simplistic of a villain because like he doesn't waste any time to be an a-hole like immediately as soon as the protagonist shows up he's immediately an a-hole and he's trying to like take him down and he's like trying to devise this awful way to torture him and torment him and it's like bro (laughs) Like, and I get, I get that he's supposed to kind of already know what this dude's all about, but like, it just seemed so quick and so one note. I I, I guess I really liked Kenneth Branagh. 
and even as like a stereotypical, like, not uh, he's not quite a Bond villain because Bond villains are usually like eccentric and stuff, but like just ru- like Russian gangster. Yeah, I liked him like that, and like that his end goal wasn't like just to make like, a ton of money; like it was actually like world ending and stuff. Um, I really like John David Walt, like John John David Washington, and like Black Klansman are like pretty much. I mean, that's like the only thing I've seen him in. But like, I I couldn't understand a lot of the stuff he was saying, and so I like the next time I watch this will probably be on demand with subtitles, so I can understand it all. Like I I loved like when he's like fight scenes and stuff, like when they're fighting in the kitchen, and he's like using like a cheese grater and stuff like that was like so cool and like he's got like a lot of charisma with that but -hmm. there's other scenes where it's like hard to tell where his like he doesn't seem like he has emotions you know and like and because of that like it almost seems kind of flat like he's very stoic you know I don't know like not not quite as much as like his dad, so I don't know. I liked I liked Robert Pattinson a lot. Yeah. Um, I I liked it. I, like even in like the opera scene, I think I liked the most with like John David Washington. But um, I just I guess I don't know how I feel about his performance overall, or at least how he was directed. Maybe the next watch I'll like him a lot more. Is that it <laughs> about the characters? Yeah. Um. I, don't know, I, I didn't. I didn't really care for the girl. What's her name in the movie? I don't uh, her name is. Well, I keep reading cat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. She. I didn't really care for her. The art appraiser. Christopher Nolan gets a lot of flack for not being able to write female characters. He can't. No. No. She's. She's. It's like she was the damsel in distress the whole time, trying to act too tough, and like, I don't know. Just flat. Mm -hmm. She didn't act like a real person, I feel like. I feel like this was written by someone's really cliched version of feminism. Like, I have a Oh, I have an awful husband, and I'm just a damsel, and I don't know how to get out of this situation. But then she gets like the final blow, you know, hits him in the head, does the whole Elizabeth Swan tried wearing a corset, you know? Like it just, it feels like oh, I finally got my one big moment, and it's there's a lot of movies like that where usually it's the two there's like a female villain and a female protagonist that are fighting while like the main event is going on, or there's something like I said with. Pirates of the Caribbean where it's just a really quick like oh look at she's not she's not a weakling she's a she's a woman I don't know it just didn't feel updated with the times and I kind of agree that like Christopher Nolan you know he doesn't have a lot of women in his movies so it's kind of hard to judge is he good at writing women because he just doesn't have a lot of women in his movies which is probably part of the problem but I kind of like for instance I said during Inception I was like I do like Ellen Page's character because she wasn't as similar to characters that are like that in movies. You know, she's a character that's there to kind of explain everything that the audience doesn't know. But they actually made her interesting and she had her own personality. And to me, it felt like a personality that's not overdone. But this was a movie where, yeah, the female character got a personality that's overdone. In a movie that's full of characters that have personalities that have been overdone. 
but yeah, if they wanted to be like a James Bond movie, I mean, even the recent James Bond movies have been doing their women a little better. And this one, it's like kind of old school James Bond. And it's kind of annoying because, you know, they're also trying to give her a lot. But it's like, you should be more interesting than you are. But you're not. And I, it's, I put that on the writer because she doesn't seem like a bad actress at all. Mm-hmm. No, she's super good in like um, in uh, what is it? Um, is it called Widows? That heist movie. Yeah, she was in that. I forgot about that. Yeah, and yeah. you're right. She is really good in that movie. Yeah, that's um, where I recognized her. I I heard that uh, I follow this like movie like trivia accounts and. One of them said something that I, I can't remember the I don't know what movie it is. If it's it's not Tenet because Hans like Hans Zimmer didn't do any music for Tenet. It's some other guy. Yeah, Ludwig Göransson. He did the music for Black yeah. uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually oh. liked the music in this movie. I I thought it was a nice change. Yeah. Um, it's similar to what Hans Zimmer has done, but it was a little different and. I mean, it's the sound mixing's fault that you don't really get to appreciate it, but it, yeah. I thought it was really good. I just realized, so what I was going to say isn't about Tenet, it's about Interstellar, so it doesn't really matter, but Christopher Nolan told Hans Zimmer, said, like, hey, like, basically gave him, like, a short story about family and had him make, uh, like, a, like, a score for it that's, like, an hour long, and gave it back to Christopher Nolan and he's like, all right, I'm going to go make a movie to fit this. And then he made interstellar. <laughs> like he made interstellar to like fit the score. score. Like, the, yeah. So like, cause the score was made before there was even a story or anything for it. That's awesome. Um, but I, I got confused and thought that was for tenant. And then I remember that tenant wasn't Hans Zimmer. So, um, but anyway, I like the score. Do a you lot. want to know why Hans Zimmer didn't do this movie? It's because he was already doing Dune, and Dune is a movie that him and Denis Villeneuve like. They are both huge Dune fans, so they've both been like in cohorts about making that movie for years. Like Hans Zimmer for years has wanted to score a Dune movie, so that's why mm-hmm. he's Hans Zimmer was like on and Christopher Nolan. They both were on the record that they would work together on every movie, but this time he was like straight up. He's like. I, I'm sorry, buddy, but I have to do this other movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I get it, dude. I'm so excited for Dune. Dune? <laughs> yeah, that seems like it's gonna be on schedule still. Hopefully, or for the most part, yeah. We'll see how things go. But this is- this tenant the the score for this seems like it's almost identical. Not identical, but it feels like a Hans Zimmer score. Like I was pretty surprised to find out that it wasn't. Yeah. If, if, Zimmer. if someone did their best Hans Zimmer impression of like a score, yeah, <laughs> which, which, which is fine. It feels like a Nolan movie. Yeah, like during that opera scene, especially, I was like, "This is uh, to me." That's when the music really shined best. I thought a lot of that opera scene was Nicole actually really good. <laughs> what was that? I said when the music overshined everything else. Well, right, yeah. I mean, at that point, it was fine that it was drowning out the voices because we didn't need to know anything too much yet. (laughs) But um, I liked that opera scene a lot, and I kind of thought that they never really topped it again as far as action goes um, because 
that one was just so well crafted and looked so good and there was so many extras to it too so it was just a very it felt very big it felt like um mm-hmm. You know, actually, Nolan opens a lot of his movies with really good action sequences. It felt very much like the initial bank robbery in Dark Knight or the first mind heist um, in Inception. Mm-hmm. So I really, really liked that scene. And I like the kind of thought they never topped themselves again. And I I saw the movie with my sister and she kind of questioned me on that because she was like, well, you didn't like the car chase or the, or the finale. And I was like, no, I did. But I kind of thought that it was cool for a second and it was cool what they were doing, but then it got a little tiring after that because they didn't really do much more with it. Like, especially with the final war scene, they have that cool shot where like the buildings coming together and then exploding at the top and they show it like both ways. And that shot, I was like, that seems like almost like the reason Christopher Nolan made this movie. It's like, he came up with just that idea (laughs) and he was like, I have to find a way to make that into a movie. And I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. But the rest of that sequence, when you really get down to it, it's just a bunch of random explosions and inverted explosions all over the place, which, cool, but to me it wasn't as well plotted out as that opening scene. I was like, that opening scene I thought was just a lot more enjoyable and a lot more, um, I don't know, it's it just, I thought there was a better environment to it, and the war scene, not as much. It was just like the desert <laughs> I don't know. So, once, um, like, the Flash is there, uh, or not the Flash, what's his name? Um, Quicksilver. <laughs> Aaron Taylor Johnson? Was that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy? Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. He looked yeah. cool as hell. He looked cool with a bald and beard and stuff. Yeah. I thought um, it was him, I couldn't tell. So all like that whole like special ops team that's there at the at the turnstile and when when he finally goes back like they kind of show up then and then they're obviously they're in the big ground war at the at the end. Um, are they from the future? And they came back in time for that mission, like for all of those missions, because they weren't like were they a present day no group that was like working. I, I think they're they are from the future because they kept saying it's a it's a pincer movement through time or something. So like we're following like the forward time and they're going through yeah. like, back. Like so they're from the future. But like, are they like from a? Because they're part of Tenet. But is that from a part of the organization from like the far far future? Not far far. Not like the crazy future that they talk about. But like, like, like part of like, like, of the protagonist's future after he like continues on through the organization. I think I think they are because he's, because the tenant, the protagonist, made the whole plan. Uh, Neil knows older him. He's the one who taught him everything he knew. So I think they all came from the future to like okay. to follow. Because that's when like every time like. He would the way he, like he starts up like the whole like the windmill in the ocean and then like goes meets up with the science lady and then goes to like India or whatever like right. um I'm like why is this such a small scale then all of a sudden they introduce a ton of people who know what's going on <laughs> yeah. right and it's because like 
I'm, I'm like, why do they even need him if they already have like a whole like army like right. that knows about Tenet? And and like they're they must be from the future then, where he continues the organization and put together like a team to go back in time and help him. Well, it's right? not even okay. It's not really like the future though because he goes back in time technically. I thought because he if he trains. I thought I thought it was that he goes back in time later. Like later at some point he must be going backwards through time to teach the future no, to teach the original tenant when it started. So like he brings them up by going back in time and Robert Pattison never came from the future. He's just from the present time that has jumped back and forth at times, but he's from the present and was taught by an older um, John David Washington, who went even farther back in time. I I don't know. I thought that's what was going on. And then that pokes a hole in my theory that Cat's son is Neo. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. Those people that were fighting on at the war themselves, though, like you, because you were thinking that. Did you think they were all from the f- distant future, or that just for that? Well, because, like, by the time when they all show up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I thought it was only, like, Neil and this guy and the protagonist that knew about Well, you saw the part of the travel. boat, though, right? When they were on the boat and those people were, like, hopping into those gears. And that was also, like, those were, like, multiple, um, what were they called again? Uh, time styles or? Uh, turn styles. Yeah. Like turn those styles. Were, yeah, the, turn styles. Yeah, there were multiple turn in the row that they were all hopping into. And some of them were going to be going backwards and some of them were going to go forwards I, I thought that's like but that wasn't until it wasn't until after the car chase like because there's the first car chase right yeah before they go through the turnstile and then they go through the reverse car chase the inverted car chase mm-hmm. um isn't that the first point that all those army guys were aaron taylor johnson shows up yeah for the first time see it's when those commandos showed up and they're like oh yeah we're part of tenant and i'm like well, if these guys are here, why do you even need? Why do they even recruit John David Washington if they already have all these people? I guess. And then I'm like, oh, they must be from the future. Yeah. Either either that or John unless David Washington actually did go farther back in time, and he actually you know he yeah. taught with his future self in the past, maybe. Well, and that's kind of what they said at the end of the movie, which, by the way, awful dialogue. Actually, a lot of this movie has awful dialogue, but like that really cheesy bit with Robert Pattinson when he's like. He was like, you were the guy on the bridge or whatever that, you know, the guy who got shot. And he, like, realizes them by seeing that little piece of whatever that tag was on his backpack. And he realizes he was the guy who got shot. And I was like, really, you're putting that together now? (laughs) Well, like, he's, like, going back in time and he's saying, I think we already have to do this, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And they're just saying all their, like, really quick dramatic bits. They're just, like, yelling at each other, not even really emoting anything. He's like... You actually taught me everything, so I guess I'll meet you in your future. And he's like, which is your past? I guess that doesn't establish if it happened actually in the past or the future, though. So that's yeah. really the part we're on. Did every single person in Tenant go back in time, or did just John David Washington go back in time? Because I thought it was him who went back. I also, I'm confused about the final scene in the movie where she sees um the mother and the son at that school is that supposed to be an earlier point in time or is that right after all the events that we saw i think it's it's right after right after okay see i wasn't quite sure because i was wondering if that 
you know, the lady who was on top of the building who was like hunting her down and wanted to kill her now, I was like, did she go back in time and do this? Or like, I, I was a little confused just because I, I don't know. I guess I was, but I, I'm glad we established that it was after because that makes more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, because then that girl, like the 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 lady who was, who I'm still confused about. I guess like the the older tenant lady, yeah, from like India or wherever. Like she, because like does John they would kill her in the end, or she could kill herself because she knows that she's gonna like. He kills her. Does it? I can't remember. Yeah, he he killed her for sure, but. I, I'm a little bothered. That's the thing. There's a lot of people who are just extras in this movie that, yeah, it's like a James Bond movie. But that was a, that was one of those characters where he kind of kept going back to her and she had all this knowledge about it. Um, but she didn't seem to be on the same page as the other guy. Um, Sador, I guess his name is. The Russian guy. They didn't seem like they were on the same page of how they were going to be using this technology. It seemed like he wanted to use it for bad and that she just kind of knew about it but was, like, trading it, I guess, or had enough knowledge about it. But as to why she had knowledge about it, that was the part I never really quite understood. It, I don't know. Like, the they they have a really quick flashback when Kenneth Branagh's character is younger and he finds that first device that's in that like box and he finds out it's like from the future and it was buried there and it like traveled backwards and I was like oh that's really cool um but I don't understand where the other lady comes into it like I I never understood what her title was I get that she had information but I didn't get what her title was mm-hmm. I wonder if it says here part of the tenant organization like she was right well it says here on Wikipedia that she was an arms trafficker, so I guess that's kind of it, is that she just sells weapons, and in this case, it's weapons of the future, and she just knows the location of them, but that's the thing, like, I guess I can kind of understand and formulate why she has this information, like, it's possible that she's getting the information sent from the future, but still it's kind of one of those things where even when she shows up at the end i'm like why is she so integral to everything she doesn't feel like she is Mm -hmm. it's just christopher nolan writing women really well again i guess i don't know (laughs) so what i already like kind of am like spacey on the like the distant future stuff the people who first discover like inversion and like send the pieces back in time for Sato if that's his name. I feel like Sato isn't his name. I feel it's, like it's Sator or something like that. Sator. Sator, yeah, cuz Sato is from Inception. Yeah. I mean they sound similar though. Yeah. <laughs> Sator, yeah. The the distant future like of, of like all of, like the they're sending the pieces back in time and and sending stuff for Sator to find. That stuff, I'm still hazy on why. No, it was... Uh, like, does it have something to do with the world? Like, is it in such a crappy state that they have to send stuff back for... It was like, like the, uh, how the guy who invented the atomic bomb regretted it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creator of the algorithm, like, 
didn't like what they made or something. So they hid it in like super like radiated places where like no one would go to find it. And mm-hmm. Seder was digging in like Chernobyl or whatever and found that. Mm. So that's how he discovered that. So like yeah. they didn't want those to be found. Yeah, the stuff okay. going back in time, that seemed more like it was just a side effect. Like, he didn't realize that once you built, like, for instance, those, like, bullets that can go backwards through time. Like, a lot of them were just found because they're, like, slowly, like, making their way through time. Because once you make something that goes backwards, it's like, hey, eventually it's going to go past where you are. And then it's going to just keep going back, back, back in time uh, forever until someone finds it. So that seemed like it was more of, like, a side effect than anything. And... It was like, oh, this will last forever, even backwards now. <laughs> and so I kind of understood that and why things were hidden, but I still don't get like, because they're, oh, we well, got to hide it in places with high radiation so no one will think to look there. But I'm like, you know, eventually that spot won't have radiation and then someone will find it, right? Like, I don't know. It just... It didn't seem like a great plan on the you creator's part. really know what the algorithm does. <laughs> That's a good point. It's kind of news <laughs> to him. <laughs> Do you want to know what Michael Caine's, uh, Sir Michael Caine's name in this movie was? Sir Michael something, right? Yeah, Sir Michael Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nice. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, you know, Christopher Nolan just totally phoned him up. He's like, hey, Michael, so uh, I got a movie for you if you want to be in it. It's a quick scene. You play yeah. a guy named Michael. He's like, all right, I can do that. He's going to have Tom Hardy in his next movie, and his name's going to be Thomas Hard or something. <laughs> Thomas Hard. Harding. <laughs> um, Jimmy Hard. <laughs> Tom Hardly. Did anybody have Hard any Tommy. other um, uh, good zingers to speak about with Tenet? Good. good zingers you know i gotta give you guys credit you you um made me actually question a lot of things i thought i had this movie more figured out than i realized that whole thing with uh especially the yacht scene i was like okay i actually don't think i had this all together never mind um i'm still questioning it and yeah it's due for another watch but i still enjoyed it i still had a good time max is neil me wrong I forgot the guy from yesterday was in this movie for like a minute randomly. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a couple parts of it, right? Cause he's at the, he's at the airport scene and then he's driving the boat for her at the yacht scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was the boat driver too. Yeah. I forgot he was there. Okay. He was in a little bit more. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you guys want to say, uh, what is our star rating usually out of five? <laughs> I rated it three and a half. I think that's what I gave it. Yeah, three and a half. I think by how much I liked it, for not knowing everything, I gave it a four. If I look at my MD or my letterbox, I probably rated it a lot higher. <laughs> walking out of it, because I, but like over time, I'm trying to like put it together and I can't, so it probably is lower than that. But I I'd say right now it's. You you gave it a four. Did I? Okay. Where does it fall in, like, in Christopher Nolan's filmography? Like, where is it? Where do you think it ranks between? Um, I, my, mine's lower for sure. I think, 
I don't, it's, it's probably, it's not as low as Dunkirk, which is like the bottom, which isn't even saying it's bad, which we went over already. Um, mm. but I, I'm questioning if it would be like above or below Dark Knight Rises. I feel like this movie will mm. have more rewatchability to it, but then again, it doesn't have Batman. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I might like Dark Knight Rises a little more. I would mm. probably fit it in between Inception and Insomnia, which would be number six in my list. So kind of in the middle. Yeah, I was going to put it between The Dark Knight and Interstellar, which on my list would make it number five. That's probably where I would put mine, is like Interstellar is probably, I don't know which is above or below this one, but I'd say like this is at least on that tier of Interstellar and Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's Tenet. Don't go on once, go on twice, sold. No one has anything else to say. <laughs> Even though I feel like I agree, we should maybe do another episode someday just to talk about it after rewatching it and being like, okay, no, now we know what happened. <laughs> We could do um, a mini episode or something even. I feel bad because I was like, I don't need to do any other extra research. I know what I watched. And I still feel pretty confident about it, especially during the more difficult parts, like going through the airport scene again. It was like, yeah, all that came yeah. together really nicely. The yacht scene threw me off. <laughs> um, do you guys want to do Last Movie on Earth? Yeah, I'm cool right, with it. Let's, let's whip it up together real quick. Uh, what are the rules of this game, Hunter? Um, in last movie on Earth, we basically play a game where we try to guess the last movie that we each all watched. We'll take turns describing the movie based off a description on Letterboxd or Netflix or something. And everyone else guesses. And if you guess it right, that person gets a point. But if no one guesses your movie, you get two points. Um... And then we keep these these points um, episode to episode all year long. And uh, we have a winner at the end, which this will be a weird year since we're not recording nearly as often. Um, but I'm sure we have some kind of standings right now. Justin, do you know what they are? Yeah. Um, so currently we have Zach at 11, uh, Chloe at 13, Hunter at 14, and uh, Justin at 16. Sweet. All right. When you're ready, kids. I don't think Justin ever goes first. Anymore. Yeah, Justin, go first. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, while searching for her missing mother, intrepid teen, uh, a girl uses her sleuthing skills to outsmart Big Brother Sherlock and Noah Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Zach got it. They literally said Enola Holmes in the description. Yes, Zach got it. <laughs> was it good? <laughs> I don't know. It felt weird. It was a weird movie. Like, watching it, I was thinking the whole time, I had no clue who this movie was made for because it feels almost not made for kids like I thought it would be. And Really? Yeah. It looked very kiddish. Yeah. Like that. Nancy Drew movie or whatever. That was a national treasure. 
<laughs> I kind of thought it would be like that. I thought it was just going to be like, hey, it's a, it's a, it's a younger person being Sherlock Holmes, and it's Millie Bobby Brown. I thought it was going to be made for like younger people, and there's like, I don't know, there's some pretty disturbing scenes in it, like. I don't know, and and not like in an '80s way where it's like <laughs> creepy. Like no, it's it just <laughs> felt really off, and I didn't understand who the movie was made for, and it was not a mystery. I was just absolutely enthralled with, you know, if it's a Sherlock Holmes movie but with a girl, and it's a like made for like kids. I kind of thought it would just be like that, like a younger Sherlock Holmes movie, and it really wasn't. It was okay. A young woman and her fiancé are in search of the perfect starter home. After following a mysterious real estate agent to a new housing development, the couple finds themselves trapped in a maze of identical houses and forced to raise an otherworldly child. Sounds cool. I don't know what it is. I just saw a trailer for it. An otherworldly child? Yeah. And there's mazes and they're trapped in that? Are they... What was that? Uh... I can say it again. <laughs> a young woman and her fiancé are in search of the perfect starter home. After following a mysterious real estate agent to a new housing development, the couple finds themselves trapped in a maze of identical houses and forced to raise a un- and forced to raise an otherworldly child. I don't know, man. That I I I wish I knew, but I have no clue. I can Do you guys want the in my head? Huh? Yeah, give me some info. All right, I think do we do a year first or yes. director? Year. Year is 2019. Yep. Who's the director? Director is Lorcan Finnegan. That doesn't help. Top field <laughs> actor. <laughs> um, Imogen Poots. Oh my god, I know it too, but I can't remember the name. Poots. I'm out. I don't know. I'm so frustrated because this is the one time I could get an obscure movie and I can't <laughs> freaking remember it. Well, at least it's a movie I haven't seen. That makes me happy. But it felt is like it the something fool. dumb like The Neighborhood? Because they're trapped in that neighborhood, aren't they? Yeah, you're thinking of the right movie, but it's not called <laughs> something dumb. It's got like a weird, obscure name to it. So yeah, I'm not. I know what it is, but I'm not gonna get it. We bought a zoo. <laughs> Finally, you got it. Do you think you got it, Chloe, or do you want me to tell you? No, I don't have it. I think it's pronounced vivarium or vivarium. <laughs> Oh, I knew yeah. that! Oh, I'm so mad! It's got Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg are the leads. Good? No. I mean, it's unique and it's like, it's an okay watch, but it's not... I, I don't know. I thought it would be a lot darker or a lot more comedic, maybe. And it just didn't really fit either of those strides, you know? They were both just in that movie... Um, that like self defense movie about like karate together. And so I was like, oh, this might be a similar, and it's not really. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it was a lot of like weird green screen effects, and like basically, yeah, this couple like goes to look at a new house, but it's like in this endless suburbia. And for some reason, they can't get away from the specific house in it, they can't escape this housing development. And they are forced to, like, raise this weirdo kid that's just, like, a freak. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. It never really... It gets, like, a little weird at points, but then after a while you're like, oh, I see where this is going, and then the rest of the movie just kind of 
plays out the way that you came up with in your head. So it's at the beginning, I was like really excited for. It seemed like it was going to be really good, and then it just kind of fizzled out. Imogen Poots is great. I, I hope she's in more stuff down the line. In Ohio and its neighboring backwoods, sinister characters converge around a young boy. The devil all the time? Yeah. He fights evil nice. forces that threaten him and his family. I was pretty excited for this movie. had a lot of good uh, A-list actors in it. Um, wasn't what I expected, but it was still it was still alright. It's a solid like, three, three and a half star movie. Um, I think I gave it three stars. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I think it could do without the narration. Yeah, the narration was kind of weird. Like, who is it? Is someone reading the story? Is that what's going on? Because it wasn't like old man him, because he, he was talking about Arvin as like Arvin and not as himself. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. It really it played a lot like like No Country for Old Men, or like. Hell or High Water or something, kind of like a... It could have been a lot more... It could have, it, it would have been a lot darker, I think, without all the narration. Yeah. But the the story was really cool and how everyone kind of weaved together. Because at first, it was like, no one seemed like they like knew each other at all. Like, mm-hmm. how are they going to all fit together and why are they important? But Yeah. I thought... Robert Pattinson's performance was pretty good, and his accent was actually pretty good for the area, I thought. Yeah. Being that he's British. <laughs> I guess both of them, him and uh, Spider-Man. I wasn't big on Tom Holland. I guess he was, like, the one part I really also wasn't. Like, he wasn't believable as, like, being, like, gruff for his age. And, like, the accent, it was, like, it was good but didn't feel natural yeah like I just didn't he kind of he kind of mumbled through it he was yeah. like a frog in his mouth because every when he smiles it looks like he's hiding a frog yeah have you ever seen that meme no uh Dudley's in it <laughs> yeah yeah Dudley was super good <laughs> he was pretty good I liked him a lot where's your mom Potter? She did. That's all that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Stan wasn't in it as much as I thought he would be. Yeah. Like, he was in it for, like, five minutes total. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, more of the end. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. I gotta watch it still. At least I'm not afraid of my pillow. Oh, wait. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal was a producer, apparently. <laughs> Alrighty, so with the nation in a full-scale war, a young revolutionary confronts the leader in a final showdown. The group of revolutionaries go off on a mission and risk their lives to stage an assassination attempt on the leader, who has become increasingly obsessed with destroying them. The mortal traps, enemies, and moral choices that await a particular revolutionary will challenge her more than anything else she's faced previously I can't say any of those words or it'll give it away uh, I, I, I feel like I know which one I feel like I know what it is but I feel like if I knew the year I would know exactly what it is oh dang I don't want to give away the year um, 
I don't even know this. Revolution. Yeah, okay. So the nation is in a full-scale war. Yes. And a group of revolutionaries is attempting to assassinate the leader who is trying to also destroy them simultaneously. Oh. Is it? Mockingjay Part 2. Okay. I was going to say Mockingjay Part 2. I was going to say Mockingjay Part 2. I was going to say Part 1 because I couldn't remember. I was like, which one is... Because, like, the... Yeah, I said Final Showdown, which... I thought... Well, that was why I was confused because I was like, I thought the Final Showdown already happened in the first part and I thought, like, the second part was where they tried to install that new person who wasn't any better... Uh, the description, I don't know if you guys can see that, from Rockingjay Part 1 is literally just Katniss Everdeen reluctantly becomes the symbol of a mass rebellion against the autocratic oh. capital. See, that would have helped. I'd been able to guess it right away. <laughs> yeah, there was, this description is super long, and it, it starts off with the nation of Panem. I couldn't say that. And then Katniss, President Snow, it names all of her friends. <laughs> Did you, um... Did Zach get that one? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do you like the Hunger Games movies? Yeah, we okay, actually really so liked them. <laughs> I think our opinions of the Hunger Games movies though were skewed because immediately before watching the Hunger Games, we watched Twilight. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that'll, that'll help it. <laughs> but I do I do really like um what one did I say was the best? Did I say the second one was the best? That's my favorite, yeah. That one's really good. That's like the only one I actually liked. The rest of them, I, I thought the first one was just kind of boring. And then I, yeah. I hated the second half of Mockingjay. I liked the first part for like when they were like filming the propaganda scenes and everything. Because I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This is the part of war movies we never see where you're trying to like create propaganda for a good cause. And but part two, I thought was just trash. I don't. I gotta watch those again. But I did not have a good experience with any of those movies. Yeah. It felt very real. Yeah, we were watching it and we were like, "Holy shit, that's happening right now!" <laughs> you're like, you're like opening up the newspaper and like, did did they like go back? <laughs> in like to, to the future and like take lines of dialogue from modern actual events yeah. Yeah. to see bernie sanders in a mockingjay costume yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna I'm be i'm the mockingjay <laughs> i'll be your mockingjay I will be your Mockingjay. It's gonna be like oh my gosh you know because like colbert actually dressed up as that uh what was it stanley tucci for a couple for like his first season of the late late show he dressed up as stanley tucci's character every time the republican um the republicans were like trying to nominate someone so every time someone left the race he would dress up as that guy and talk about how they've been cut out of the hunger games or whatever and i'm like yeah he could literally play that guy in our future apocalyptic universe dystopia he will be that guy. He will be Stanley Tucci's character. This is like kind of off topic, but I just thought it'd be fun. If you could like put anyone, like any actor as the new president of the United States, who would you pick? Dwayne Rock Johnson. Absolutely. Because of his like 
his how demeanor, he acts his or demeanor, because of his, his size his uh way of talking okay i think he <laughs> would <laughs> just his sheer mass i i think because he would both scare other nations and also like intimidate them but also be friendly like you kind of need both well and i feel like with how how he is with his self-discipline i think is a super good reflection of his character like not only does he have a strict diet, he also has a strict um, exercise regime to keep up that bulk. So he's a large human, but he works for it and has good self-discipline. Terry Crews, also a big man. <laughs> you just want idiocracy to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would love, I would love a comedian to be president. I would love a comedian to be president because... John Mulaney. John Mulaney. You kind of need that humor, too. I don't know. Everybody in the United States, I'm drunk. Dude, I thought that Kanye should have ran on the Democratic ticket because I think he would have won. If he would have been the Democratic ticket, I think he would have easily won this election. Because I thought after Trump won, I'm like, well, he's opened the Pandora's box. Only celebrities can run now because that's all... The only way you're going to get all the votes. So you might as well just do it. Because what's it going to ruin? Some of these actors are pretty smart. Like, and sorry, but some of these politicians who get in office, they're not always particularly good at everything they do. Most things they're not very mm -hmm. good at. I mean, frankly, the parties have gotten too old. I don't know. When The Rock was, like, teasing it, I thought it was, like, an interesting idea. I actually kind of like him. But just because he's got he's got yeah he's got a good like attitude about himself and a good way of just really speaking and i'm like you i kind of like that you kind of need someone like that i think that's really important and someone who's i don't know because everyone said about trump like he's gonna get things done he's outside the political arena and he'll just do things i'm like well i feel like the rock actually is that like he actually is outside the arena and he would walk in and be like no we're gonna do this and people would like confidently listen and not be like afraid that oh wait this is gonna end the world <laughs> you said arena and then the rock and i just thought of his wrestling past <laughs> and i was like what if he just walked into the white house in his old wrestling mm -hmm. and the undertaker as his vice like his vp <laughs> he's gonna open up the <laughs> state of the <laughs> union jason statham <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Hart is VP. <laughs> I like this version of America. We were so close. Yeah. That's what we could have had. Jay Corden. My, <laughs> my, my pick was going to be Jeff Goldblum as president. Just because like, he seems like someone who wouldn't want the presidency, and so he'd be pretty dang... He seems like he'd be like a moderate, but like he'd be pretty dang chill about it and i can't like, not be picture. like just everyone just calm down you know i can't not picture thor ragnarok though and like, that's why though it's like i'm we... thinking of grandmaster like as president he would dress <laughs> the up as grandmaster the slaves the have escaped time. ah i don't i don't like that word i'm picturing him with like <laughs> button with, for like all the nukes and he's like oh yeah oh. he's got the melt stick just with him all the time <laughs> I don't like it that S word. It's like fine. Maybe the prisoners who the prisoners we employ and don't pay. It's like that's better. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have to use the melt stick right away? <laughs> it's like we're gonna find know, them and then we're gonna destroy them. 
No. No, we're going to arrest him. Destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, I de- yeah, I could definitely. I don't know if... He, uh, he seems like someone who would get beat in an election, though. I don't know why. That's true. He seems like a loser. <laughs> he reminds me of people who have lost. <laughs> he's not a winner. He would. He would. Like he's awesome, lose. but he does yeah. kind of seem like the type that's like, I know everything. I know what I'm doing. This is what we got to do. And people would be like sick of him and be like, dude, no, nah, we're not gonna no. And he would mm-hmm. lose, and then he'd be like mad about it. Like, are you serious, guys? I have all the answers. It's like, no, we just, we don't want that. Like, we like this other guy. He has ice cream. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, who's he running against? <laughs> Mark Ruffalo against someone who's, like, super easygoing and chill, Paul but Rudd. more animated, like Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd <laughs> as Bobby Newport. Yeah, you're right. I'd vote for Paul Rudd. I just rewatched <laughs> that whole season of Parks and Rec where it was Bobby Newport versus Amy Poehler or uh, Leslie. And holy crap, oh, yeah. it is 100% the 2016 election, except for in the end, Bobby Newport would have won. But like line, there are yeah. like literally like the debate and everything where I'm just like, holy crap, this is just like a preview of things to come. Like it was exactly what happened in 2016, like mm-hmm. line for line. I mean, you can vote for yourself. That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway i got the final points here um so zach and chloe are tied now with 13 um justin has 16 hunter you have taken the lead with uh 17 points wow it's a race to the finish i don't know what the next episode's gonna be on i suspect um on the movies not currently playing in theaters and, um, I mean, October's coming, so maybe we should do a horror movie again. Yeah, yeah, okay. Spooky episode. What was that? The movies that I yeah, the ones you you the ones you asked about months ago. Yeah, we should do those finally and do it for like Halloween. I think I sent those out pre-quarantine. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that was if you have that plan. list, and want to send it again. I can, I can send it again. At that time, I've I mean, seen we most were, of them, but I don't remember the ones I haven't seen. We were really going forward with everything at that point, and then quarantine happened, and it was like, uh, everything kind of fell apart. So, we should definitely do that, though, for Halloween. Yeah. Um, But, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but I think that makes a wrap on Tenet and the confusion it is. And starting from here, I'll just play the episode in reverse. And... <laughs> I hope everyone had a good time listening and let us know what you want to see from us in the future. But otherwise, uh, see you next time. And remember, always be where the cinema is. Always be where the cinema Well, I thought you were going to turn on that lightsaber. Yeah. He's trying. <laughs> we need that in the podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. So, what did you all think of Tenet? Do you think it was a little too confusing? Do you think Christopher Nolan went too far? Or do you think this is yet another wonderful masterpiece from one of the greatest filmmakers of all time? Do you think it's just average? Do you think Christopher Nolan's just average? Leave a comment on this episode, like our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinema Swamp. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp.